In anticipation of episode number 27 on drugs of abuse, we have with us Dr. Margaret Thompson, one of Canada's leading toxicologists, who's going to tell us her best case ever when it comes to drugs of abuse. So having practiced emergency medicine and toxicology for quite a while now, it's difficult for me to say that there's a best case ever. There's a couple of remarkable cases in my past that taught me some lessons. One of them was a young man who had taken and actually used to use ecstasy every weekend, unbeknownst, of course, to his parents. So it wasn't unusual for him to do that. And this particular Friday night, on a midnight shift, presented to the emergency department just after 3 a.m. Myself and the resident who was working with me were made aware of his presence in the emergency department. Unfortunately, a half hour, 45 minutes after he was in the emergency department, so he was brought to the resuscitation area. The nurses worked him up and put lines into him and did a cardiogram and talked to the family, and we were busy and we're finally called over to the resuscitation area, and this is a gentleman who certainly had serotonin syndrome, which ecstasy's been known to cause. He ha- he was in Glasgow coma scale of four. He was tachycardic with a heart rate of about 175. He was hypotensive already with a pressure and close to 80. And he's a big strapping kid, so should have had a much higher blood pressure than that. He was breathing rapidly. His sats were fine. He was diaphoretic as heck. He had a persistent clonus just at rest so that all of the extremities were doing sort of decerebrate sort of movement spontaneously. His temperature was 42-something. He developed significant rhabdomyolysis. He had renal failure on presentations. It was first electrolytes suggested that he'd probably been down for quite a while. We aggressively cooled him despite that, developed DIC, started bleeding from every orifice that he had. Eventually, he bled into his brain and died from coning. But just reinforced to myself and to the resident how rapidly the patients can go down and how important it is to get that temperature down as fast as possible. Certainly the literature suggests that a temperature greater than 42 is associated with a 100% mortality, and that was true in this guy. And maybe he would have been able to be resuscitated had we been on it right away, and then he'd gotten his temperature down right away, and fluid resuscitated him, etc. But unfortunately had a very poor outcome, and you know, died in the emergency department. One interesting thing about this was he had this continual clonic movement until we intubated and paralyzed the gentleman. And so probably had had this, you know, movement disorder going on for a couple of hours at least, not true seizures, and became significantly hypoglycemic, probably just from a demand point of view. So his initial glucose by EMS was 7.6. When he arrived in the emergency department was 5.2. And then had this continuous movement for about an hour before we were made aware that he was in the department. And it was almost 0.5 an hour later and repeatedly became low despite glucose boluses for him despite having stopped that activity because he was so sympathomimetic. That was one of my more remarkable cases. And I also had a very fun case. And this is the guy, at the time that the Pope came to Toronto, there were actually no drugs of abuse 
at the mass that you know I was present for as one you know part of the medical team, uh, specifically to be able to help the doctors involved with you know substance abuse and toxidromes that we might expect to see. Now, I don't know what it was about the Pope being there, but people felt that they couldn't use the synthetic drugs of abuse. So my best case that night was the guy who came into the emergency bay, and he came with eight Toronto police officers trying to hold him down, four paramedics, and four of the security that were in the tent. And he was wildly agitated. He had been given four milligrams of Ativan IM and four milligrams of Ativan IM repeated. He had been tasered twice. He'd been pepper sprayed and he still was wildly agitated and sympathomimetic, certainly. He kept saying, and he had, you know, his speech was somewhat slurred and incomprehensible, but he kept saying shrooms, shrooms, shrooms. And I didn't believe him. And it was one of, the, one of the few times I've ever done a urine screen. And I kept a sample of his urine and had it analyzed in a comprehensive urine screen. And the biochemist called me the next day, so not very helpful at the time, obviously, that they said this is the largest peak of psilocybin they'd ever seen, or psilocybin, depending on how you pronounce it, ever seen in their history. Magic so the, mushrooms. Magic mushrooms. So the guy... And what I learned from that is that magic mushrooms in large enough concentrations are also sympathomimetics and cause significant agitation. And the toxidrome that you might expect from other sympathomimetics, he was tachycardic and hypertensive and had the strength of, you know, 15 men and that all these people were required to hold him down and, you know, protect him from hurting himself and others. But eventually settled with my industrial doses of benzodiazepines but (laughs) was more of a fun case he didn't come to any bad outcome despite the huge amount that he'd taken but it was one of my more fun cases drugs of abuse great those are great cases so to learn more about sympathomimetic and other toxicologic syndromes related to drugs of abuse Stay tuned for, in about a week, we'll be releasing episode number 27 with Margaret Thompson and Dr. Lisa Thurger.